today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. have time to read the word because man I gotta check Facebook I gotta take care of my emails I, I don't have time for getting into the word or for prayer because man my favorite show is on coming on and and I don't have the uh, little DVR thing to tape it or anything so I've, I've got to watch it right now I don't have time to go to church because my team is playing this week I don't have time for the Lord because I'm so filled with the world because we're so blinded by the glitz and the glitter and the glamour of the world, all too often we're missing the beauty and the splendor of the next world. How an event is interpreted depends on one's perspective. Much like the old question, is the cup half full or half empty? Today, Pastor David teaches us about Paul's perspective on life due to the transformation that God brought about in him. Paul was changed from persecuting Christians to preaching for Christ. God can give us a perspective adjustment so that our worldview is shaped by a godly, eternal vision rather than a temporary, worldly way of living. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Eternal Perspective. Let's get into the Word. We are actually in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, and we've been going through, we went through the book of 1 Corinthians, now we're in the book of 2 Corinthians. It's in a series that we titled, The Modern Church in Ancient Times. It's a modern church because the same problems that they're dealing with there, they're, they're the same ones we deal with now. People haven't changed. Uh, church life hasn't changed, really, in 2,000 years. People are still people. And the issues that they dealt with there, though they did not have the technology, though they didn't have a lot of the uh, comforts that we have, basically the issues that they had to deal with were pretty much the same thing. The thing I want to look at first of all tonight is uh, as, as, as we begin to get into this study, as we're moving on into 2017, do you realize how important perspective is in your life? How important perspective is in your life. To kind of help you understand where I'm going with that, at different times, different places in our lives, our own personal perspective can change. If I go down here and I get on Interstate 8 and I start heading west, I can look ahead of me and a little to the south and I see a mountain that's called Tabletop Mountain. Why do we call it Tabletop Mountain? because it looks like a tabletop. It's flat on the top. But if you're in Gila Bend and you're headed east this way and you're on Interstate 8, you can't hardly find that mountain because the perspective has changed and it's no longer a tabletop. 
the perspective has changed. So looking at the same thing from a different perspective, it looks totally different. Another uh, uh, thought on that is sometimes the very same events can be interpreted differently by people with different perspectives. The very same thing, looking at it, but with different perspective. One man might see a bright and sunshiny day and be really happy about the warmth and the heat of the sun. Another one might experience the very exact same thing, and they'll complain about the heat. Amen? You've been there? Okay. Another one, we might have a nice, cloudy, rainy day, and we're just enjoying the coolness of the rain, and somebody else is going to be complaining about the gloomy weather that we're having right now. And so, again, it depends upon your perspective. One other thing, even as individuals, sometimes we can interpret the exact same event in a different way almost at the same time. Story goes, a a New England farmer was approached by a stranger one day, and the stranger asked him how much he thought his prized Jersey cow was worth. Well, the the farmer thought for a moment, and he looked at the stranger, and he questioned, well, now, that depends. Are you the tax assessor, or did you just kill my cow with your car? So, same event, different perspective, different understanding. Well, Paul, as we, how's that for a segue? Paul has a great perspective in life. Paul has a perspective that's based on eternity and not on the temporary. Because he had this eternal perspective, it made everything look different, everything. And that's the same for you and I. Depending upon the perspective that we have in life, We're going to see things differently. We're going to respond to things differently. It's going to affect us in different ways. Well, as we move into chapter four here, we're actually catching Paul in mid-dialogue. It's a dialogue actually that he started in chapter three. And he's been speaking about this comparison of the issues of the ministry of life and the ministry of death. Now, this ministry of life, that's the work of grace. Uh, And again, that's declared all throughout the teachings of Paul and the impact of that ministry of life and the teachings of grace, not only in his life and in those churches of that day, but also in our lives today. The ministry of death is the work of the law. That that was engraved in stone, declaring the glory and and the holiness of God at one point, but also declaring death to all of us that that we could never live up to the standard that it shown us in the works of the law and in the engraving of the stone. We spoke about all that when we were in chapter 3, and you're more than welcome to go back and, and get that teaching to kind of bring you up to speed on that. Well, now Paul continues the dialogue as we're moving on into, yes, chapter 4, not 14. Okay. So in chapter 4, verse 1, we read these words. Therefore, since we have this ministry, now which ministry is he speaking of? The ministry of life, the, the ministry of grace. He says, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Now, Again, this ministry that he's speaking about, it's the ministry of life, it's the the ministry of grace, something totally different than what Paul had been raised up in. 
He had been raised up under the law. He had become a minister of the law himself. As a Pharisee, you remember, he hunted down Jews that had become Christians, and he brought charges of death, literally, against them. And because he had now received mercy, now he's become not a minister of death, but a minister of life into the ministry of grace. At at first, he tried bringing that ministry to the Jews. But again, as you recall, the efforts of the Apostle Paul, he he was rejected by the Jews. He said, okay, from now on, I'm going to bring it to the Gentiles. And that's really where the Lord had called him to come and bring that ministry to begin with. So he moved the message and the ministry now to the Gentiles. And so here he says, because we have this ministry, because we've received mercy, we don't lose heart. Another translation elsewhere says, we don't give up. We don't give up. At first, that might seem like a strange statement for the apostle to make. Why would he be losing heart? After all, he's the one that's bringing the message of hope. He's the one that's bringing the, the truth of the gospel. Paul, give up. Paul, lose heart. That just doesn't make sense. But strange statement indeed, unless you know Paul's background and the history of his ministry. Paul had been commissioned by God, yeah, to proclaim the message of grace. He was sent out as a missionary to the Gentiles, absolutely. And what a strange message, really, when you think about it, what a strange message that had to be coming from this former Jewish Pharisee persecutor of Christians. And now he's coming and he's preaching mercy, he's preaching grace. Uh, Again, very, very strange. And now he's no longer proclaiming the law, but instead now he proclaims liberty from the law and freedom in this new life of grace to the church, to those that, again, he preaches to and ministers to. He's continually teaching this freedom from the law, this liberty that's found in grace. But with this newfound faith, and in particularly this ministry of grace that he has, Paul suffered greatly. Paul, Paul suffered in, in multiple, multiple ways. His faith and his ministry. In the midst of that, I believe that Paul was truly discouraged at times. We read elsewhere in the Scriptures how God, again, ministered to him and told him, hey, don't worry about your life. I've got a lot of things that are going on for you. I think Paul was just as human as you and I. And when persecution and trials and situations came in, I believe that there were times that he got discouraged. didn't stop him, but I believe that there were times of getting discouraged. That's why he says here, we don't lose heart. We don't give up. I think that physically, it would, it would seem that he, he could have simply backed it down a few notches or backed off from this continual sharing and debating and, and teaching of grace. But you know what? If he had... He would have probably suffered a little bit less, but he would not have been obedient to the call of ministry. So he has to weigh just like you and I have to weigh. Is it worth being obedient to what God says? Even when it puts you in difficult situations, even when it jams you up in a difficult relationship, is it really worth being obedient to God in those situations. I believe that if Paul were standing here today, he would say, absolutely, it's worth it. Absolutely, it's worth it. No matter what you go through, 
no matter what situation comes. It could be a, a situation that, Lord, you told me to do this. I, I believe by, man, the way, you, way you've spoken into my heart, by the encouragement of your word, maybe even counsel of another, you, you've told me I, I need to walk or, or do or move this way. And man, I'm being hammered all the time, every step of the way. I'm getting attack after attack after attack. That might be a strange reality for some of you. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, and yet now you're suffering even more. Do I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> I, I know that that's true in some lives because you've shared those things with it. I know it's true in my own life and times that, man, you, you, you're doing the right thing, and it's not the easy thing. And I'll just give it out to you. Most oftentimes, the right thing is not the easy thing. The easy thing is to float down the river with all the other dead fish, okay? The hard thing is to swim against it. And you know what happens when you're swimming upstream against all the dead fish that are floating down this way? You're running into them every turn of the way. So doing the right thing, more often than not, is the most difficult thing. If we think that, man, I, uh, I don't understand this. I'm doing the right thing. My life ought to be a whole lot easier. And you know what? That, that's the wrong perspective to have. That's the wrong perspective, and that's going to mess you up in just about every area of your life. Instead of backing down, Paul pressed on the more steadfastly and the more openly in his witness for the Lord because he had received this ministry of grace, because he had received mercy. Paul tells the church, man, I'm not backing down. I'm not losing hope. I'm not giving up. He says in verse two, he moves on. He says, but we've, we've renounced the hidden things of shame. We're turning our lives around. I, I, I don't want to live the way that I was living before. I don't want that old man to be in charge of me anymore. I, I don't want the, the flesh to be my control anymore. Man, God has called me to a ministry of grace and life, and he's given me his mercy. I didn't deserve it. I was a persecutor of Christians. I was, I was one that was fighting against God the whole way, and God intercepted my life and called me to him. And because of that, man, we're renouncing those hidden things of shame, and we're not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, we're commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, here I am. I'm commending myself. I'm, I'm declaring myself before you in the sight of God. Paul continues to combat these, these attacks that, that have been brought against him, uh, attacks against his character, attacks against his ministry, attacks against just about every aspect of who he is or who he was. And some of these were even coming from the very people that he had ministered to while in Corinth. And some of the other attacks were coming from some of the teachers, these false teachers, these false prophets. And some had declared that he was using the gospel for his own personal gain. Oh yeah, he's only in it for the money. 
you know, I've, I've heard that saying many times of, of ministers or pastors that are only in it for the money. Well, I do believe that there are some of those around, but I guarantee you the vast majority of those that are serving in the ministry are not in it for the money. Again, they're in it because they feel the call of God in their life. Paul's life was clearly seen before all men. One of the reasons that Paul had told them, man, I'm not even taking any finances from you. Corinth primarily was the one church. He says, no, no, I'm I'm not taking any support from you. I'm gonna work with my own two hands. And Paul by trade was a tent maker, a a worker with cloth and, and canvases, a tent maker like Aquila and Priscilla. He said, while I'm in Corinth, I'm not taking any money from you guys because I don't want you to think that you were the ones that were, that were helping me to keep going. I, I don't want to owe anyone. So it's interesting to get that kind of a claim from a church like Corinth that you were in it for the money. And here Paul is, again, having to defend himself. Paul's life, his life was seen in his ministry, and the ministry was seen in his life. They were Unseparable. Uh, Paul wasn't one of those guys where where there'd be things hidden, or he'd be two faced about his life or his ministry. He didn't try to deceive anyone into the faith. He hadn't tried to be one thing before the crowds and in front of the church, and then once he gets home, he's a whole different character and a whole different person. I believe that Paul was saying, "You know, this is who I am. This is what God has done for me." I believe that it is very wide open. The very word, he said, made manifest to you. Uh, that's the Greek word speaking about a ship's manifest, that every ship out in the sea would have to have a manifest. It was a declaration of all that are on the ship, both man and cargo, this manifest. In Paul's life, his ministry was a manifestation of the truth, nothing hidden, nothing to be deceitful of at all. The witness and the testimony of Paul's life, the witness and the testimony of his ministry, completely open, as he says, to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I believe that Paul was the kind of guy that says, listen, if there's anything, any way that I've harmed you, I, I, I've come against you, uh, you feel that I've deceived you, man, let's talk about it. Let's, let's open this thing up. Let's open it up before everyone. Paul wanted to make sure that, in essence, all the cards were on the table, that the, there was nothing deceitful that he was trying to get over on the people at all. And so continually, he's bringing out these things before them. Now, he could have easily said, you know, my life is an open book. That's the phrase we use today. My life is an open book, an open book before God and before man. And I believe that really is what Paul is speaking here. I believe that what we read about Paul here in the letters that he writes to the churches, in the book of Acts, as we see his movement uh, on his missionary journeys, man, we see some of the weaknesses of Paul. We read about some of the frustrations of Paul. We read about some of the joys of Paul. We read how he writes sometimes, and all of a sudden he breaks into this hymn of praise right in the middle of his instruction to, to the church. And then there's other times as he's writing to Timothy, he says, man, everybody's left me. I've, I've been abandoned, in essence. There's a lot of humanity that Paul just freely shows and makes available, open to all. Again, if some had felt disconnected from the gospel or the gospel message, believe that Paul understood is more likely the problem of the hearer than it was 
of the message. Problem of the hearer rather than of the message. I, I can't tell you the number of times through 25 years that, you know, uh, on the very same Sunday, you know, someone might come and say, Pastor, that message just really touched my heart and life. And then somebody else says, man, I had no clue where you're going today. I, you know, that, that didn't touch me. They might not use those words, but uh, it's kind of like you, you can almost see it in the conversation or in the, in the faces. And you think, okay, you know, Lord, it's the same message. Where's the perspective? We go back to perspective again. But Paul tells him here in verse three and four, he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Man, underline that if you underline your Bible or circle it or highlight it or underline the person next to you's Bible so that they'll get it. The God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Well, very clearly, we, we, we understand the God of this age we know that's Satan himself. I mean, he's, a, he's a deceiver. He's, he's a liar. He's the father of all lies, Jesus tells us in, in John chapter 8. But I also believe that it's even more than just Satan. I, I believe that in, in addition to the work of Satan, you look at the world around you. The world itself has become an idol, even as I shared this last Sunday. The world itself becoming to many people a, a god with a little g, and they're living their lives to get pleasure from the world and to please the world. So many of these things in this temporary dwelling, they, they've garnered our full and our undying attention. Man, I've got to be so focused in on the things of this world. Because all too often we're filled with the things of this world. Guess what? We don't hunger for the things of God. If I, if I went out tomorrow afternoon and I said, man, I'm going to stop over here because Quick Trip's got some good donuts over there. So I'm going <laughs> to stop over at Quick Trip. I'm going to get me a few donuts in the afternoon. And oh yeah, uh, man, over at Circle K, I can get this great big old thirst quencher thing that's like five gallons of, you know, Coca-Cola for under a buck, you know, and I'm going to get me one of those. And then I'm going to swing over here and I'm going to get me some ice cream over here. And, and then I get home and I find out that Todd has made just this wonderful, wonderful meal. Guess what? That's not near, it's, it's not appealing to me anymore. Instead of going in and smelling it and saying, oh man, let's sit down, I'm ready to eat. I'm going, oh, man, I don't really feel like eating. Now, think of this in two ways. What has that done to me? But what has that done to her who has gone to all that trouble? You don't think that the Lord also, when we fill ourselves with the junk of this world, that it just literally breaks his heart? When he wants to bless us with his presence, he wants to bless us with the fullness of, of who he is. And Oh, Lord, I'm just too full of the things of the world. I don't have time to read the word because, man, i got to check Facebook. i got to take care of my emails. I, I don't have time for getting into the word or for prayer because, man, my favorite show is on coming on and, and I don't have the uh, little DVR thing to tape it or anything. So I've, I've got to watch it right now. I don't have time to go to church because my team is playing this week. I don't have time for the Lord because I'm so filled with the world, because we're so blinded by the glitz and the glitter and the glamour of the world 
all too often we're missing the beauty and the splendor of the next world, of eternity. Paul says the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, they're missing out. We're so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a church home and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. When we began The Open Word radio ministry, our heart's desire was to get the message of God's kingdom and His grace to as many as possible. We knew that there'd be many who wouldn't come through the church door, but would perhaps tune into a radio program and be challenged and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the teaching of God's Word. God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. And yet, as with any ministry endeavor, there are expenses that happen through the production and distribution of these messages. If God has blessed you with the teaching, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in a financial commitment to the ministry of The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help the message of God's grace extend and grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word. Make us more and more.